Below the Yellow Line studio, it's the Below the Yellow Line podcast. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Below the Yellow Line podcast. Very excited to have another owner of another short track here today, Mr. Glenn Luckett, the owner of the Salem Speedway in Salem, Indiana. Sir, how are you doing today? You're, actually, I'm not the owner, I'm the general or The general manager, manager I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and Nick, Nick Bohannon is the actual owner, so I'm going to make sure he gets his, his due props. That's good, that's good. I apologize. I've been, I, my mind is uh, scrambled like an egg here. Um, jumping right in here, I, I do want to ask, uh, how did you kind of come to get into your job? Um, and, you know, what was, uh, what was kind of the process between, or uh, of you becoming the general manager of the Salem Speedway? Well, it's, it's kind of a long process. I actually uh, started racing. I raced myself from like 1990 to 2002 raced at Louisville Speedway, and I raced at Salem a little bit. And I actually worked at Salem from 1995 to 2000 for Owen Thompson. And at the same time, I started uh, Champion Racing Association, CRA, with some other guys. Went and did that full-time starting in 2001. And uh, did that through uh, last year, actually about 25 years we did it. And uh, we sold it to Bob Sargent a year ago, January. And uh, my agreement was I had to work for him for a year, which I did. And uh, then Nick bought uh, Salem last January and called me and uh, really wanted me to come back on board and be his general manager. So uh, we talked and worked things out. And that's how I ended up back at Salem. That... That's a story. I think I'm actually going to get to talk to Bob on what day is today? The the 12th. So on the 21st, I believe I'll be able to hit, uh, sit down with Mr. Bob Sargent. Um, my next question for you, and you mentioned you were a driver, so I'm sure, you know, this helps a little bit, but what is your relationship like with the drivers uh, at the track? And what is your relationship with the fans like as well? Uh, I think the drivers have got a really good relationship. I mean, obviously as many years as I've worked with, racers i've kind of come to know uh, you know how they are how they act what they need what they expect and you know you're, you're never i learned at a very young age that you're never going to make everybody happy so you got to do what you think is best and, and be able to sleep at night with your decisions and it's not always easy it's, it's changed a lot i mean i think racing short track racing has changed a lot in the last 10 years uh fans aren't the same drivers aren't the same uh, there's not the commitment that there was 10 years ago or 15 or 20 years ago. It's a lot harder, obviously. Uh, Cost has always been an issue, but uh, help has really seems like it's been the biggest issue the last five years. People just struggle to get people to come to the racetrack and help them. Uh, It's just hard. I mean, it's it's help everywhere. Every business that that I know of is looking for people to help. So it it hasn't made it any easier on those guys. Uh, Racers also aren't as committed, I don't think, as they used to be. Uh, people aren't really interested in running for points all the time. They kind of want to race when it's convenient for them to race or a bigger event or something that they feel like it's fun to go to. So you got to be real careful on, you know, how you schedule stuff, when you schedule stuff. And it's, it's a lot harder than it used to be. For sure. And it's, you know, it kind of seems like a lot of stuff is, but, uh, you know, short tracks, you know, the big reason why I'm, I'm trying to interview um, so many people who, manage or own short tracks is to really just promote them get them out there a little bit more because i've always said that the the racers that that race on these short tracks and the people behind them are you know a rung that often gets overlooked but a very important rung still on the ladder of just american racing and and racing in general so many 
um, drivers in all different disciplines have started out, you know, at their local short tracks. And that's why, um, you know, helping short tracks out uh, is so um, important. Um, I'm going to ask you a question now, and it's absolutely okay if you don't know an answer, if you just know a little bit, or if you know an entire encyclopedia's worth. But uh, tell us uh, what you can kind of about the the history of the Salem Speedway, Indiana, obviously a, uh, a very rich racing state. Um, but what do you know uh, kind of about the history of, of the track that you general manage? Uh, it's, I mean, to me, it's, it's an honor to be the general manager there. Uh, the place has got so much history. Uh, actually built in 1947 was when it was built. Actually, Frank Funk, who built Winchester Speedway in like 1916, he actually helped design the track. Uh, and it's been there. It, it ran the very first race, like I said, 1947. It was a cinder track. Uh, obviously, open wheel racing was the big thing back then. Sprint cars, uh, that's where the main thing was. And a lot of guys, I mean, it was it was nothing to see, you know, A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti, uh, the Vukovic's, Bentonhausen's, all those guys would come to Salem and race at that track. And, you know, we've got some pictures from back in the 50s and the 60s, and it's amazing how many people would come out just to watch a sprint car race. You know, because those, but they, those were national heroes. People knew those people all over the United States, and when they would come into town, it was a big deal, and uh, there's just so many people that have raced there. I mean, even you know, look, the young, I'm gonna call them younger guys. Some of them are already retired, but like Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, those guys, they both they both cut their teeth at Salem too, racing open wheel. And we've had a lot of stock car guys. I mean, Rusty Wallace, Mark Martin, Benny Parsons, all those guys all raced at, at Salem in stock cars, and and that was kind of their jumping off to get into NASCAR. Was you know, a stop at Salem Speedway, and then you know, winning races, people. In fact, A.J. Foyt was said, you know, if somebody can win races at Salem Speedway, then they can win races anywhere. So it's, it's a tough racetrack. All those high bank half miles like Winchester are tough. It's it's not not everybody likes it. Not everybody wants to come race at those tracks. It, it's a challenge. I mean, even racing from a mini stock to a, a front wheel drive, a street stock, an elite model, all those things. You know, it's, it's a tough place to get a hold of, and it, you you gotta you gotta be brave to race the high banks. You certainly do. And, you know, short track racing, it's a lot tougher than a lot of these guys um, make it look. And I, I believe I've heard that A.J. Foyt quote before, and I probably just, uh, you know, threw it off to the side. Like, I don't even know what a Salem is. But, um, you know, it, it's certainly a track that uh, has a lot of history. And I think every short track has that history. You know, I've gotten the, the good fortune of uh, yesterday speaking with Tim Bryant, who's the GM of the uh, the Five Flag Speedway in Pensacola. And he, you know, Daryl Waltrip won the Snowball Derby there in 1976. Guys like Pete Hamilton have won it. Uh, Donnie Allison, who was just recently inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So if you dig deep enough, you never really know who's raced and who's who of who's won. Uh, at your local short tracks. That's just another reason to go out there, get involved, buy a ticket, go to their social pages or website um, or whatever. Just get involved the best you can. Um, what has been your favorite moment so far from working at the track or just from Salem Speedway as a whole? Um, probably just actually just being in Victor Lane when races are over, uh, just to see the elation on people. That we had a a young driver named Connor Popwell, who's just 19 years old, and our average age of our gas series, which is a street stock class, very, very good street stock class. Most of those guys are, you know, in their 40s. Several of them I used to race with at Louisville, and uh, to see a 19-year-old kid come out against those guys and, and win a race, his first race, he was super excited. 
he goes out and wins a second, and a week ago he won his third. I mean, so he's on a row, and to be down in Victory Lane with those guys and that family and stuff, it, it makes it all worth it because you see those, they're so happy, and, you know, they've accomplished something, and, you know, it just takes all the work and the heart and all the other stuff you have to put up with, and it kind of makes you feel better. It makes you feel good, like you're doing something right. I'm I'm sure it does, and um, you know I was just talking this afternoon. It's so funny to me that the one thing I've asked short track owners when I've I've asked them about you know their relationship with drivers or, or short track personnel. Sorry, um, no, no discredit to Nick Bohannon there, but um, anybody involved with the short track, they say you know everybody that's winning now seems so young. And I was just talking a little bit ago with uh, with former NASCAR driver Bill Lester, and he says he became a professional athlete at, at 45 years old. And I, you know, and now you look and there's, there's 15, 16 year olds in, in NASCAR and the lower levels of open wheel racing and winning at your local short track. And you're like, shouldn't he be doing homework? No, he's just, you know, beating guys twice his age and they've been doing it for, you know, decades. And he's been doing it for, you know, probably for a decade and a half, probably started go-karting when he was five years old. But it's just crazy to me how much the, uh, the landscape of racing has, uh, has changed. And that's true at, at really every level. Um, oh yeah. We've had, I mean, back we had several twelve-year-olds that started racing late models with us when we were at CRA. Uh, Chase Elliott came on board with us at thirteen, uh, won a race at Winchester. Uh, you know, not very old, young kid. And I remember going up to him and asking him, Chase, you know, what's your goal? And he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna race NASCAR just like my dad. I mean, at thirteen years old, he was already that focused, and that, you know, that's what he wanted to do. And there's a lot of those. I mean, a lot of people ask me, aren't those kids? You know, crazy and wild. I said, no. Usually, they're just the opposite. They're very focused on what they want to do. Uh, very good at racing. Freddie Query was one of the first crew chiefs to start working with kids, and he told me, he said, you know, I was really worried about it until I realized how much focus these video games give these kids. He said, I can go out, I can, you know, I can make a mark on a wall and tell that kid to let off there, make another mark on the wall and tell him to you know, get back on it here, and they'll do it every time. He said, you take a guy that's 30 or 40 years old. He can't do that. He's just not used. He's not programmed like that. But these kids, they understand that. They learn, and they're good at what they do. They certainly are, and that's why they've been uh, afforded the chance they have. And you know, did, did you? I wonder if you thought that you were, uh, or wonder if you knew that you were talking to a future NASCAR Cup Series champion when you were talking to 13-year-old Chase Elliott. There, goodness gracious, the the amount of talent you guys have had come through. That and the talent, and you know, he was already yes sir, no sir, you know, Mr. Luckett and all this stuff. And we've had, we've been lucky. We've had several of them that that have you know come through the ranks and, and gone on to better things and moved up. And and it's cool. And sometimes those guys, I'll reach out to those guys and say something to them, and they don't forget. I mean, they remember where they came from, which is great. I mean, that's what you want to see. And people like Chase that go back and race late models. Uh, Kyle Bush did it for a long time. I got to know Kyle through his late model team. And he would bring people and come race. And, you know, those guys that give back to short track racing, to me, those are the real heroes. I mean, Tony Stewart, he owns a short track. He owns sprint car teams. You know, he gives back to short track racing. And all those guys, Ken Schrader. I mean, Ken Schrader, he races everything, anywhere, anytime, doesn't care. He's been in street stocks at CRE races. He's been in late models. You know, he's really good friends with Bob. And him and Bob have done a lot together. But Ken, never, he never forgets where he came from. He loves short track racing, and that's what he wants to do. Kenny Wallace, same way, same way. Absolutely. Um, oh, sorry about that. It was muted for a second, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, spot on. Those guys that, um, you know, they do so much um, for short track racing, and 
you know, they're multimillionaires. They've had success at the highest levels, but the fact they still come back to their roots and the tracks that, you know, made them who they are is, um, is really special. My last question here for you, sir, um, is just, can you tell everybody who's watching or listening uh, to the show today? Um, what are your upcoming races? What are your upcoming events and uh, anything big that, that the track has planned for the rest of this year or, or for the immediate future? Oh yeah, we've got two really big shows coming up. We're a special event track, so we don't we don't race every week. But uh, actually, Bob Sargent's coming. Uh, he's uh, leased the track. He's got we'll do an ARCA race on Saturday night, September thirtieth. Be a big show. It's always a big race. It'll actually be the hundred ninth ARCA race ever held at Salem Speedway. So I think we're one of the leading tracks of, of numbers of races, number of ARCA races. So it's always a big event. And then we'll come back and run. Uh, 35th annual Halloween 200. It's a it's a big street stock race, but it, it is huge. We've we started however many cars come three wide. Uh, back I rep, drove drove the race in '92 and '93, and there were like 80 something cars. Uh, but it's a full weekend of racing. It, it's a big one. It'll be our biggest race of the whole season. That'll be said October 21st and 22nd. Actually, your tickets and stuff will go on sale this uh, Monday. So just check it out on www.salemspeedway.com on our facebook page and we try to keep everything updated you know we're already planning for next year looking for bigger and better things uh, unfortunately we didn't have any open wheel racing this year and that's our goal number one goal for next year is to bring sprint cars back to salem speedway so we're working on that i think i think we're gonna get that done Sounds like you guys have a lot of fun stuff coming up. Go to their website, uh, go to their Facebook page, and if you can, if you're in the area, or heck, even if you're not, get a plane ticket, get a race ticket, and go out there and uh, support the track and, and just support a short track. You know, big, small, they all matter, um, and that goes for your, you know, your, your contribution, too. It all adds up. It all matters, and it helps us as race fans. You know, you, you mentioned talking to Chase Elliott, talking to some of these guys, you could be looking at the next NASCAR Cup Series champion, the next IndyCar champion, um, you know, whatever it may be uh, the next time you're at your local short track. So, um, Mr. Luckett, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. No problem. I appreciate it. Anything we can do to help short track racing, that's what I'm for. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you.